Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear, the only daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then talk about it. And this page is page 957. Same tattered robe tending to his hopeless children in the cool dark below the city streets. He recognized me, not as other people would, not as a budding hero out of stories, Trappist had no time for such things. He remembered me as the smudgy starveling boy who fell down his stairs, fever sick and crying one winter night. You could say I loved him even more for that. I gave him as much money as he would take, five talents. I tried to give him more, but he refused. If he spent too much money, he said, it would attract the wrong sort of attention. He and his children were safest if nobody noticed them. I bowed to his wisdom and spent the remainder of the day helping him. I pumped water and fetched bread. I made a quick examination of the children, then took a trip to an apothecary and brought back a few things that would help. Lastly, I tended to Trappist himself, at least as much as he would allow. I rubbed his poor swollen feet with camphor and mother's leaf, then made him a gift of tight-fitting stockings and a good pair of shoes so he wouldn't have to go barefoot in the damp of the basement anymore. As the afternoon faded into evening, ragged children began to arrive in the basement. They came looking for a bit of food or because they were hurt or hoping for a safe place to sleep. They all eyed me suspiciously. My clothes were new and clean. I didn't belong there. I wasn't welcome. If I stayed, there would be trouble. At the very least, my presence would make some of the starveling children so uncomfortable they wouldn't stay the night. So I said goodbye to Trappist and left. Sometimes leaving is the only thing you can do. Since I had a few hours before the tavern started to fill up, I bought a single piece of creamy writing paper and a matching envelope of heavy parchment. They were extremely fine quality, much nicer than anything I'd ever owned before. Next, I found a quiet cafe and ordered drinking chocolate with a glass of water. I arranged the paper on the table and brought out pen and ink from my shade. Then I wrote, in an elegant, fluid script, Ambrose, the child is yours. You know it is true, and so do I. I fear my family will disown me. If you do not behave as a gentleman and see to your obligations, I will go to your father and tell him everything. Do not test me in this. I am resolved. That's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. (laughs) This is great. (laughs) This is a really nasty prank to play on someone. And I'm not saying that Ambrose doesn't deserve it because he does. He's a piece of shit and uh, likely a rapist. But... This is a nasty prank to play on someone. I feel like we're seeing like angel quoth and devil quoth on this page. I think I mentioned a few pages ago that it is quoth who starts up the war again, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And here it is. Yeah. yeah. But as a reader, knowing that like this is a book not about real people, this is extremely entertaining. Oh, absolutely. It's also... Uh, made plausible because Quoth has money to burn on pranks now. He can buy like <laughs> Yeah, he can financially invest in paper. his pranks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he can buy, you know, nicer writing paper than anything he's ever owned before just to mess with Ambrose. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he s- has to buy nice writing paper because it has to be nice enough to be believably from someone that Ambrose might uh, like sleep with and have reason to be fearful of. Which would probably have to be someone with some money. Absolutely. This is the kind of prank Quoth couldn't have pulled before, really, because he couldn't have invested the capital in it. I agree. To give him credit, I mean, we'll talk about it on the next page, but to give him credit, he does really put the effort in to make this as believable as possible. 
and to give himself as much plausible deniability as possible, proving once and for all that Quoth is a messy bitch who loves drama. Well, also... (laughs) That's a (laughs) t-shirt. Rothfuss spends three pages on this. This isn't something that's tossed off for no reason. This is important. He spends more time on this than he spends on the shipwreck. This is something that's going to come back, I think. Probably. I can see this coming back. I I guess it could. At the very least, it's going to come back as like Kvothe starting their, their sort of prank war up again. But I think he might just be spending the time on it because it's funny. It's Maybe. funny to see the lengths that Quoth is going to 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 like sell this elaborate prank. Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the thing that is like nuclear for Ambrose. Because one of the characteristics of their feud is that the things Ambrose does to Quoth are things that he thinks are relatively harmless, but are are like annihilation scale damaging to Quoth and vice versa, right? Like Quoth writing a ribald song about Ambrose. That's something that the row would do to mess with each other all the time, probably, but it's like a huge blow to his reputation. And that's been a characteristic of their feud all along. So I almost wonder if this is something that will like annihilate his uh, Ambrose's standing and be much, much worse than anything that Quoth, uh, than Quoth imagines that it's going to be. I mean, I, for one thing, there is, evidence to suggest that Ambrose has tried to have Quoth killed. So <laughs> I don't, I, th- I still think it's not Ambrose. There's yeah, nothing yeah. tied to Ambrose. Well, I do think it's Ambrose. Um, oh, but also sweet, simple Jeremy. I think that like, I think it would be embarrassing and something of a scandal for Ambrose to have knocked up some, some noble woman. But I, frankly, I think this wouldn't be the first time, you know, like, I, and I don't think it would be reputationally annihilating to Ambrose in the way that it would if Ambrose was a woman. Right? That's like, I true. Think, I think that Ambrose operates in a social milieu where, you know, being, you know, boys will be boys. And if you're a rich guy, you're kind of expected to like screw around and like knock people up. And like, you shouldn't knock up noble women because that might cause you social problems. But, she can probably be bought off. You know, like, I think it's going to be bad for him, but not like life ending or devastating. It will be like an embarrassing thing that he has to deal with. Well, the real comedy comes from the fact that there is no child, right? So imagining him like going through his Rolodex and being like, "Uh, are you the one who's pregnant? Are you the one who's pregnant? Yeah, exactly. We'll get to that that later because yeah, Koth makes it, we'll get to the ways that Koth like, pulls off this prank because i also do want to pay attention to the sequence with trappist which is really moving yeah the juxtaposition between those two actions is stark that's Mm -hmm. true that's true uh can we all agree that trappist is super doomed um i don't i don't disagree that he might potentially be doomed but i feel like you're going a specific direction with this and i would like to hear your uh your reasoning. I just think that in this book, the story that Rothfuss is telling, anybody who is uh, just like profoundly good and wants nothing in return is just like good for the sake of being good. Uh, that person is doomed. I don't think that's true. And I don't think Trappist is specifically doomed in the way that, say, the cobbler's son is, or in the way that like Auri kind of feels doomed. But I think that Trappist, like, Here's the thing. I bet if we heard, if Quoth somehow got word that like 
Trappist had died in his sleep or had there, there had been an unfortunate accident and like the, his little cave had collapsed. And that would be like a tragic blow for Quoth. But I don't think that, that Trappist is going to come to like an unusual, horrible end. I think he's going to come to a mundane, melancholy end. Oh, he, he should be so lucky. I think that Trappist is a bellwether for the the tone of the of the series. And in book three, when Quoth returns to visit, he will be like stabbed to death or something. He will like have been dead for weeks. Something All right, like I, I think we can categorize uh, Nick's description under crackpots. That feels crackpotted. I don't disagree that Trappist might be doomed, but I wouldn't take it so far as you have. <laughs> But I would also like, here's the thing. I think that if he, if Quoth did return and Trappist had been like knifed to death and no one had found his body for weeks, uh, or more likely the starveling orphan children had given him like a proper burial, uh, I think that would fall under my rubric of like sad and melancholy, but not doomed. Whereas, I think, you know what? I'm going to take the, the Danatech. I think that both things can be true. I think that you can be sad and melancholy and doomed. Like, he's not doomed to a bad end. He's just doomed. Welcome to the fence. Well, we're all, in that sense, we're all doomed. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Finally, Jeremy, you put it all together. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, he's not doomed yet. Let's talk about what he's up to on this page. I think it's interesting and sad and reflective of this book's worldview and perhaps even Patrick Rothfuss's worldview mm -hmm. that there's only so much that Quoth as one person can do to help. He he has enough money that he can like give Trappist some money, but Trappist will only take so much money from him because beyond a certain point, it'll attract attention. And it's not super clear exactly what kind of attention it would attract, but it would be dangerous. So it kind of feels like Quoth is in that place where he like... He can offer Trappist a little bit of money and make things better in the short term, but he doesn't have the kind of resources to that it would take to help Trappist enough that Trappist doesn't have to worry about retaliation, right? Like, yeah, I'm sure well, if this he had, actually like, supports our finding Trappist knife to death theory, because if he does end up with too much cash and word gets out that he's got a lot of cash floating around, then that would make him a target for the pikes of the world. Yes, but he won't end up with too much cash because he tells Quoth that can only take so much from you. Unless Quoth fails to internalize this lesson and like sends a bunch of cash. Anyway, now that, that now we're in crackpot territory. So mm -hmm. I, I will, I'll back off this one. He does everything he can to treat not only the kids there, but Trappist as well. Right. Uh, and Trappist like is the kind of person who like, he's one of those people I think who spends so much time looking after other people that he is not, able to or willing to accept that kind of help from people for himself. Um, well, I think there's but, no one to give it in addition. Like he doesn't, he doesn't spend it on, he doesn't spend the effort or the resources on himself to take care of himself, but I don't think anyone's offering him help. Well, Quoth is, but Trappist will only give him as much help as he will allow. That's what Quoth says. Uh, I tend it to uh, Trappist himself at least as much as he would allow. I think the Quoth has come prepared to give him quite a bit of help. And I think his, his gifts are really thoughtful. But I, I'm also sure that if Quoth if was like, look, I'm going to talk to my friends in the Medica and see if I can get someone to come down here like every month or so and see what we can do. I bet Trappist would say no, perhaps because that would also attract the wrong kind of attention. You're really, uh, really supporting my Trappist gets knife to death theory. Jeremy. Well, no, I'm not because none of these things are happening. If these things had happened, then he might get knifed. But the fact Just that they're not happening means that he won't. I'm going to get him, Jeremy. 
You can't keep him safe forever, Jeremy. I'm going to get him one of these days. One day <laughs> you'll let your guard down. Him. And bam, it's a one-way <laughs> trip to Knife Town. <laughs> but also, it's interesting that like Foth is now in a position in his life where he doesn't belong here anymore, which I think is interesting and melancholy. Like, insofar as it's like, like, Foth is better off than any of these kids, but this was as wretched as he was when he lived in Tarbine. Like, this was a community that he was a part of, and now he's not anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some melancholy there, too. He sort of, I mean, in a way, he traded that community for his current life. Yes. And you can't have both. Well, yes. And whom among us wouldn't make that trade? You know, I'm not saying that Quoth would be better off here. Of course he wouldn't. You know, it's, it's, it's just like an interesting thing to show like how far his character has come and, and where he is in his life now versus where he was then. He is viewed by the members of this community as a potential threat. And all he can do to help them at that point is leave. I had a teacher uh, when I was in senior kindergarten. And then again, I had the same teacher when I was in first grade because she taught a split SK first grade class. So I had her two years in a row. Wonderful teacher. You know, when you're when you're that old, when you're that age, teachers tend to be really, really good and nurturing because you're basically just like in, you're just like doing play all day. But she was a great teacher. She was, to this day, one of my favorite teachers ever. I was visiting a school doing some business recently, a couple of years ago. And I was in the office doing the business and she happened to be the uh, the vice principal of the school. And uh, I knocked on her office door and I said, oh, you know, I don't know if you remember me. And she immediately said, Nicholas, how are your brother's name and sister's name? She recognized me immediately. And then we had a chat, but I was like bursting into tears. I could not believe that this woman who hadn't seen me in like 20 years and had had no cause to think of me in the interim. Remembered me and my the fact that I had two siblings and their names, and like was still doing this. Uh, still, you know, whoever knows how many children have passed by, have passed through her in the in the years. Not to mention she's now running a school, basically. But um, this whole thing of Trappist recognizing Quoth immediately really rings true to me. Yeah, and it's very moving, just as the story you just told me was very moving. I agree. I am touched. I say, actually, I like the, like, the story Nick told better because it's actually, like, it, it happened. <laughs> All right, move over, Rothfuss. We're garbage <laughs> and we hate them. We only want Nick's story time now. Speaking of things that are garbage that we hate, it's letters time. Bye-bye. <laughs> ah, yes, our <laughs> <laughs> uh, This is a letter from the Discord from Lurker X Sphinx. Wow, what a name. Well, it's a, you know, it's a Discord handle. I mean, I love it. The letter is uh, on page 948, Quoth's time spent in Fae with Valyrian. Ho thee, pagers three. On this page, we're talking about specifically how old Quoth, his friends, and we think he is based on his time spent with Valyrian. It was my understanding when reading it that it couldn't have been more than four weeks at most based on his companion's party still hanging around and telling the story. When first encountering the rest of the group retelling the story, I got the impression that only a few nights or at most a week or two had passed, but could concede it being up to a month that they'd hung around to see if he'd come back or not before heading back to the mayor. I mostly based the longer time frame on the fact that they seemed to all but have written him off for dead by the time he comes sauntering in through the door. It occurs to me afterward that the inverse could as well be true, and the fan realm is hyperbolic time chamber of sorts like seen in the Dragon Ball Z series. However... Time could simply not pass there, and he could feasibly be no older than he was when he went in, and it was only his mental age that has elapsed over time. Glad I could get some letters in near the end and not just be a forever podcast lurker. Also, it's not swam, it's swam, 
And Davy most definitely is not Scottish, but that's just my headcanon. I've never read Davy as accented. P.S. It's nice to hear how far Jordana has come in being comfortable with reading aloud. Yay. Uh, cheers. Signed, Lurker X Sphinx. Thank you for the letter. We love to hear from you. Thank you for engaging with the Discord. Uh, we do have to ask Jordana, how do you pronounce the... When, when you have been swimming, how do you say that word? I swam. Mm. That's right. You swam. Yeah. Not swam. I would rather have <laughs> I, I would i would rather call the process in which one goes swimming swam fine whatever i guess i'm the only classy bitch here whatever jeremy uh, still pronounces <laughs> coin coin yeah let's all pile on jeremy for that that shit's weird <laughs> as hell i'm going back in my i'm going back in my rubbermaid bin bastards. <laughs> yeah i feel like only like three nights have passed in the real world because they've written him off as dead but they're telling the story again as if it's fresh like they're, yeah. they're hanging out at the nearest bar yeah and they're they're going like tell us the story again i've heard it a few times but i still don't believe you but it's not like months because they aren't sick of it yet and then as far as Kvothe's time in the fey like that could be as much as years right who knows i think it's likely that time doesn't pass so he's just like mentally older. But who knows? He might be physically older too. Who knows how that shit works? It's magic. Ooh, magic. That was really scary, Jordana. Thanks. I try. Can you not do that I'm again? I'm too scared please? to listen to this podcast. Well, we better we better wrap it up then and uh, be less afraid on tomorrow's page. Uh, <laughs> the. It's like the reverse, uh, the fly. <laughs> be less afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Much less afraid. Yeah, chill out, dude. Relax. Smoke a doobie. And yeah. to our you podcast. know what? Uh, Brundlefly would be a good, would be on the dream front, blunt, blunt, blunt rotation. <laughs> For you. <laughs> Peace of the wind. Goodbye.